Hello there, and welcome to Star Wars Warts and All, a podcast where we discuss all the things we love about Star Wars, warts and all. My name is Will, and joining me tonight, as always, are Ben. Hello. Bill. Hi. And Chris. Are we not still friends? <laughs> That's right. Get ready for bad Saw Gerrera impressions, because we're loading in the U-Wing, heading to Jeddah to talk about Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Oh, I thought this was about Rouge one. <sighs> we have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. They've no idea we're coming. Take hold of this moment. The force is strong. Make ten men feel like a hundred. We'll take the next chance. Rebels on you. Save the rebellion. Save the dream. So this is this is it. This is the end of the line, right? For the movies. Yeah, I feel like on one hand, I'm kind of happy to be done with all the rewatches, but then on the other hand. I really enjoyed rewatching everything and putting a lot of stuff together and like analyzing it a lot more than I have ever. We, we don't want to just go back so. around the horn and start over again with episode one. Yeah, that's that's what this podcast is. We're just right. gonna rewatch the movie. What did we miss after we watched it the last time? A, a vicious cycle. Yeah. <laughs> when did this movie come out? Twenty sixteen. December twenty sixteen. Right. It was one of the December releases. And we've talked before about the Disney drama, like leading into, uh, or not leading, during production. This might be the one that that really started it all, I feel like. Because Force Awakens uh, was, was, was pretty chill. And this was the second Disney that movie. That we know of. Uh, right, knows? exactly. That we that's, know of. That's I, the problem I, is, yeah. Uh, this was very public. That's the, that's, right. that's the issue. Because there's only the second Disney movie. This one, because of, I think it was the extensive quote-unquote reshoots, right? That's where, like, all of the buzz started. Mm -hmm. I remember there are scenes in the original trailer or something that just aren't in the movie. Exactly. And that was the other thing that kind of kicked off all of the rumor mongering. But then, sure enough, and the other thing that's really crazy about this is Tony Gilroy, the guy who co-wrote the film, along with Chris Weitz. Tony Gilroy wrote it, and he also, apparently, according to him, saved it in reshoots. Mm. The, the story goes, in an interview, uh, I think it was The Hollywood Reporter, from what it sounds like, there were just too many people involved, too many hands involved in this thing, and they kind of went to him and asked him to just take a pass at it. He's not very specific, but he basically says it was a mess, and he saved it. Um, Pretty modest of him to say. Yeah, to right. Say. Well, I always felt that. Way. But and also, you know, props to uh, Gareth Edwards, the original director, for you know not washing his hands of it and just walking away. He was very you know supportive of the final product and what came of it after he was you know replaced in a sense, not really replaced, but you know. Yeah. Right. And I think I think he may have may have. I don't know. It's hard to say. This is all just just guessing yeah really. we'll never know the true story and i don't necessarily right. want to know the true story no i know and that the product we got was awesome and right, then right. That, i'm and happy the, with that 
I mean, the annoying part of all this is like, who's to say that, I mean, I feel like all the haters, the Disney haters, especially jump on this kind of thing and be like, oh, look, they're changing the movie to, you know, because they're Disney and they're changing it. But in reality, the original probably wasn't as good. Right. Yeah. The reshoots were done for a reason. Yes, there's and no I, way of knowing, you know, yeah, what it would have been. And I, in my mind, and this goes for Solo also, I think it was just Disney had a plan and they thought, because Kathleen Kennedy had said we could do genre movies, we could do a war film, we could do a comedy in the Star Wars universe. And I think the idea out the gate was get Gareth Edwards, do this kind of gritty war film. But then when they actually saw it, they were like, this doesn't feel Star Wars enough maybe went a little too far in places and, and right. they got it they brought it back closer to the script and tony gilroy would be the guy to do that because he helped write the script when well, i that's still, just my my thoughts but i don't know i still think it was definitely the it's definitely the grittiest of star wars movies and it it is a war movie but it still feels star wars it, yeah exactly yeah it, it, it pulls does, it does really good job yeah it, it balances that really really well uh, so let's get into the stuff that we love about it and some of the kind of hidden gems and all that good stuff. One thing I think this movie does extremely well is the kind of world building. It's not the main saga, but it really like helps to fill in and flush out the world that exists around the Star Wars saga. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because it takes you to a bunch of different locales. Yeah, which is, I mean, you got to have that. You got to be jumping from planet to planet. Right. And I love the fact that really the whole idea of this just comes from the opening crawl of A New Hope. So it's really like just literally take where the first one picked up and go exactly where it left, yeah, you know, it was where like, it should have left off. That story wasn't actually told. Now go and tell it. Yeah, I was thinking about the uh, that whole opening crawl concept. If you think about it, like this whole movie was the opening crawl of A New Hope, step it back, I thought like the whole like prologue or or cold open as it were you know like um the whole where krennic goes to the planet to to meet with galen and all that that's almost the crawl of this movie since this movie didn't have a crawl so it's kind of like yeah setting the scene it's been 17 years since the empire was created at the hands of emperor palpatine Uh, they're looking for peace in in, uh, in the galaxy and to get that, they're going to build a Death Star. But the scientist, uh, he, he went off in exile, and now they're getting him back uh, at the expense of his family or something. You know, yeah, I, it's, it's scene Clearly, saying. I'm not a Star Wars writer, but it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it gives you, it gives and, you saying. And I think, then you get the title card, and then back to the story proper. I feel like this was the this was the right way to do it for an offshoot movie, though. Because I don't think it would have felt right as a side story if it had the scroll as if it was right. one of the main saga movies i don't know yeah yeah plus you know you don't have the opening crawl and you don't have the the opening theme either but the way they handled it is perfect with the new the new theme and just the title card and, and the music swelling it, oh yeah it it, it 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 does the job right i mean you still get a long yeah, time ago yeah. galaxy far far away and you still get a big kind of like uh, title card And then it's just, back, you know, back to the movies, you know, it's not... Um, I mean, that's the thing. I don't think they want to stick with the whole crawl thing for the rest of the Star Wars storytelling that they do, and I'm okay no, with they that. they don't have to. No, keep it for like the, keep the main theme for like the super heroic moments, 
that make you remember, oh yeah, this is Star Wars. Oh my God, it's happening. Kind of, you know, things that are like super impactful. So you would, right. so you would say that keep the crawls for basically any of the movies that are major points in the Skywalker family, really. Not necessarily Skywalker. Because they well, didn't... I, no, I do. I, I kind of agree with that, Ben, because yeah. it, it is this, that's like the Skywalker theme in a lot of ways. I mean, it's the Star Wars theme, but... Uh, Technically, you know, it is Luke's theme, yeah, uh, according to John Williams, I guess. And since they didn't do it for Solo and they didn't do it for Rogue One, those didn't really impact the Skywalker story as much as obviously the main movies so i feel like that that would be the reason why you would have the opening crawl for those yeah 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 but we do for this one when the actual title comes on versus rogue one it's musically it's the same interval You think it's coming for a split second, but nope, it's a different thing. But it's still, it gives you that feeling. Yeah, so I it really, works. I really like what they did with the music, and I think Michael, how do you say his last name? Giacchino. Giacchino, yeah. Like, he's the next generation John Williams. Exactly. I, like, after after watching this and listening to the themes, and, you know, who did the solo score again? John Powell. John Powell, right, on solo, did a great job. But again, even the main Han Solo's theme was was written by John Williams. Now, Michael Giacchino didn't have that luxury. This is all him. I mean, obviously he used some of John Williams' themes, well, but yeah. like the gin, the music for Jin Erso, the music for, you know, the the Krennic uh, Imperial Suite, whatever you want to call it. That's all original. And that little kind of opening motif Chris was talking about, that's all him. And it's it's almost like it make it reminds me of like, you know when you're watching like a cartoon or a show that doesn't have the rights to a particular movie, but they're trying <laughs> yeah, to invoke right. the theme. Yeah. yeah, it's like that, but good. <laughs> you know, yeah. It, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't feel cheap. Well, it feels he, like I mean, he does legit. a really good job incorporating some of the original themes throughout the movie as well. So yeah, he, he's admitted to being a super huge John Williams fan. I'm sure a lot of movie composers are, but yeah. you know, yeah. I yeah. was gonna. I listened I to an interview say, yeah. uh, a while back with him and. Uh, I want to say friend of the show, but he's not David W. Collins, who, who has an awesome Star Wars mu- uh, music podcast. But this is the movie he's been waiting to do. He's had this mu- music in his head forever. Oh, it's awesome. Because he wasn't the original composer for this movie. He was supposed oh. to be Alexander Desplat. Or, That's or, or right. Something. Yeah, and I think because of the reshoots, he had yeah, to step away. Back. That's yeah, right. So wow. He only had like four and a half weeks to score this whole movie. That's incredible. And, uh, and he had all this stuff like floating around because he's just been imagining it forever. And that he was able to come up with this music that sounds very Star Warsy. In that short amount of time, is is yeah, because it was already it was just bouncing around his brain for I w- years. I would love to to hear music from him in in more Star Wars films. I don't know if they've released really any details about uh, the Rogue Squadron movie or who's going to score it, but they they're going to get Giacchino back. He's done well, well, he's done I mean, countless he, Pixar and well, Disney. Yeah, yeah, I was say, he's, he's, he yeah, do- he's big with Disney. I think he did the first uh, Star Trek reboot movie. Yep, he did The Incredibles, Ratatouille, Up, Zootopia for Disney at least. 
among other in, things. Inside Out. I love that little uh, piano tune. I think he's doing the music for Spider-Man No Way Home as well. Yeah, so he'll be back. <laughs> there's, there's like I would, I would put money on that. Yeah. Fact. Yeah. Yeah. Another, another great thing, just, just to kind of get this out of the way, uh, that I love about this movie, and it ties into the whole opening crawl thing. But for years, there was kind of this plot hole in Star Wars: A New Hope. Why would they spend all this time and resources to make this super weapon that has a weakness that has this, yeah, this like off <laughs> button? You know, you just shoot a shoot a missile down here and it blows up the whole thing. One blast to the reactor module and the whole system goes down. That's how you said it. The whole system goes down. Get to work, fixing her comes. Well, this is why it was a trap laid by yeah. an inside man, and I, I just thought like that is brilliant. And I think that was the idea that was brought up by John Knoll. Like this, mm-hmm. uh, he's like the the what is he now? Chief Creative Officer at Industrial Light and Magic. But yeah, old school. He pitched yeah. that. He he pitched the basic idea to Kathleen Kennedy, and then it was just like undeniably a good idea. Create a movie out of the opening crawl and fill in this giant plot hole that people have been talking about for years. Well, yeah, I mean, Star Wars is it will have infinite number of movie ideas. Just get all the nerds to say, well, why did this happen? Why did that happen? And they'll just make a movie out of it. And then there you go. We'll never run out of ideas. Yeah. Well, even even talking about like the Bad Batch, we're kind of seeing that stuff. Like, when did, when did chain codes come about? Well, there you go. Here's the chain codes. They're introducing yeah, right. Chain. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like we keep beating a dead horse here, but this is the whole thing we keep talking about uh, on how like they can just spend an eternity on storytelling for all of these like unexplained things or plot holes, if that's what you want to call them. And it's, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'll eat it up with a spoon any day. Mm-hmm. It's all just fantastic world building. They know how to do it. They continue to do it. You can go further in the past. You could go further in the future and you could just bring everything, tie everything together with a nice bow yeah. and it'll work. And then I'll buy a souvenir of it at Galaxy. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so it makes it all fun. <laughs> And then you can own it. I'm glad you mentioned Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> oh, here we go. So I, I, when I saw the show notes, I got super, super excited that um, oh, yeah. you wrote yeah, this. Yeah. Because it's the <laughs> first thing that I noted, or that I noted down, as soon as they get to the scene where they're in Jeddah, all I can think of was, I'm back on Batu. Like this. Yeah, like yeah Jeddah City. Walking it's through pr- Jeddah City. Mm-hmm. I'm like... This must have been, I don't know what was the inspiration for what, but this really felt to me like Galaxy's Edge did. And I'm sure that's what they were going for with Galaxy's Edge. You know what, it, it's just, they captured kind of like the spirit of like Moss Eisley or uh, Nima Outpost from, from The Force Awakens, you know. But I think what puts it over the top is Jeddah was like a bustling, busy place. Right. So right. it made it feel like you're at Disney yeah. World. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. More so than the other places, anyway. Less, um, less Mickey hats, though. Yeah, right, right. People, <laughs> that's the only problem, is that people are wearing just t-shirts and shorts. You don't, but, uh, you I don't mean, go you, full costume. But, I mean, you start to not notice it, I guess, after a while. But Yeah, yeah. And while we're talking about world building, I want to mention, too, all of the, the tie-in stuff, which, I mean, every Star Wars movie that comes out has tie-in material. But this one in particular, I remember, I think I've read it all, and it was all really good. There was a an adult novel called Catalyst. Yeah, um, I need to read that one. I which read was that one. a that was a like direct prequel, and it just it gives you like so much more about Galen Erso and why he's doing what he's doing, how he left the project. Because obviously, when Krennic shows up in the beginning, 
he's bringing him back. So it's like it's clear why, they've had why a was he doing it? To, yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually had a friendship, and it explores all that. And then there was a I didn't even realize it was a young adult novel, but this one was really good called Rebel Rising, and that fills in the years between Jin Erso being a little girl saved by Saw Gerrera from the bunker to when she gets abandoned by Saw Gerrera, and then even beyond that. Um, so it kind of like fills in the, the gap that the movie kind of leaves from the intro to the to where it picks up when she's imprisoned. And then there's like a, a little junior novel called Guardians of the Wills, which is, it's fine, it's fluff about Baze Malbus and Chirrut Imwe. And I even forgot, there's a, there was a little comic called Cassian and K2SO, which explains their first uh, adventure together, like when Cassian yeah, reprograms cool. K2SO. And it's really good, and actually I just reread it quickly, and I hope that they adapt it for the show because it's like the humor's there. It would really it would really fit well if they just kind of you know tweaked it a bit to make yeah. it fit the show. So I'm really looking forward to the show because one thing that I definitely noticed again rewatching was how good of a job Diego Luna did as Cassian. Like, oh yeah. god, the casting like we've said it for all the Disney movies. They know how to cast. Oh yeah, I, they just nail it. Like, but his every ca- time. his character was just so believable and. Yeah. Yeah, I Yeah, you feel you feel like his his conflict doing bad things for the right reason. Right. You know, he just wears yeah, that right yeah. on his on his sleeve. And oh, Ben Mendelsohn as director Krennic is such a good bad guy. And I yes. I loved him yeah. in this and then when he was in Captain Marvel, sealed the deal. He's yeah. one of my favorite actors <laughs> now, I think based on those two he's, movies alone. He's great. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that was that familiar with him before this no and not at all he was in one of the batman no. movies uh but one of the yeah he's christopher great. nolan batman movies third one yeah Bane, yeah right yeah i can't remember i've been telling I i've been telling myself first, i need to rewatch all of those recently so yeah well we're not doing a batman podcast but, yeah. that's true yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. he was much more of a human like it's just more of like a personable bad guy he wasn't like this mustache twirling villain it was more of like a Oh yeah, I could see this guy being a real person. Well, I love, I love the conflict between him and Tarkin that they, yeah. they set up too. Yeah, because it's just like two bad guys vying to be the worst bad guy. It yeah, brought out right. the worst in him, and he was just kind of like always second place. That dynamic is really interesting. I, yeah. I feel like that's how it was in the Empire in general. If you ever needed to, you could throw somebody else under the bus and let oh, them yeah. get oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's like, yep. it, I mean, it, it parallels the Sith. Like, the apprentice Sith is always looking to kill and overthrow the mm. master. So, true. it's just, yeah, it's echoed. And what's he going to do? It's like, you know, I'm, he's basically, Tarkin says, I'm taking over this Death Star. Right. And Krennic's like, who's he going to go to? Darth Vader? Yeah, that worked out real well. Yeah. Like, this, <laughs> you, just, you just deal with it. it you know, your superior tells you what to do. Yeah. takes everything from you and that's you deal with it try not to choke on your aspirations the, should we talk about that scene really quick or is that that's a little bit that is a little bit of a wart i guess for a lot of people the choking I, on the aspirations I, we've talked I about that line know. before actually i don't know how it came up in the past i think it's been exaggerated over the years it's not like be careful to choke on your aspirations, but, director critic. No, it's we just, talked about. He, this. Say, he kind of says a deadpan. He doesn't like make a big deal about it. Be careful not to choke on your aspirations, director. Yeah, we talked right, about this right. in Empire Strikes Back because he kept choking all the admirals, and he oh, had apology like those, accepted. Yeah. Right, it was like 
<laughs> it was the same it's kind the, of thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it, maybe if you didn't see his fingers curled, it would have been different. But that's true. It's still, oh, God, the last I, you time know what? I rewatched it, it's like, I, okay, that, yeah, okay, that's fine. That's not you know what deal. caught me about that scene? That for some reason this time, I realized that Krennic was in the middle of talking. He was like at the end of a sentence, which means the breath was out of his lungs. And then Vader started to choke. And I was like, <laughs> he, doesn't, he didn't even get a breath. This <laughs> poor guy. It's just because Vader knows what he's doing. He's waiting for the right moment. Yeah, he's like, yeah, keep talking, keep talking, and close the windpipe. <laughs> that was... That was a pretty cool sequence, though, where it's, you find out Vader built a palace where he yeah. was, like, uh, yeah. mostly killed. Filled out by the comics, yep. Yeah. yeah, so he, the Emperor built him that castle over a Sith cave on Mustafar. Okay. That was, Yeah, like, there's a whole backstory in the yeah. Vader comics about that place and the power it has and, you but know, then the dark seeing, side. seeing him in that back to tank or whatever that is. Yeah. And like out of the suit was kind of a big deal, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Definitely homage to his son being in the back to tank in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. that could be. Mm-hmm. See that? But just seeing him like, oh, sometimes he's not in that suit. Got yes, it. Okay. He, he is a vulnerable human being right, under there. Right, right. Oh, and, uh, speaking of under there, another little, well, actually not under there. Uh-oh. Above what, I'm talking about his costume. The costume was a little wonky, wasn't it? Yeah, I was trying to figure it out. It had something to do with where the helmet connected with the neck. Yeah. Being it, it could even just be the build of the guy in the suit being different or his posture being different. I, or... But then but then it looked I think it looked better in the final scene though. I agree, yeah. You don't know. So I was almost anyway. like, wait, did he just rush to put this on and so it doesn't look right? Like I almost <laughs> I almost go, thought it was intentional. There's yeah, the next there, movie. That's the explanation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just now we need a comic uh, well, book why of, of why Vader. Why did Darth Vader's costume not look right? <laughs> we need a comic of just Vader being like, seriously, I was in the middle of a bath. And was, like throwing on his costume real bit. Because I've actually heard a, a throwaway, because James Earl Jones obviously is up there in age now. He sounds a little bit different. Right, right. Yeah. Right. And I've heard the explanation as well. He wasn't finished with his back to rejuvenation, so his his <laughs> voice was a little raw from uh, you know not completing the I, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I just took that to be James Earl Jones is not as young as he was originally. <laughs> because you're a sane human being, right. thank you. <laughs> but he can still do it. Man. I was still. I mean, I mean, yeah, that's the cool part. Was it was still him? Yeah, he still had it. And like they still mm-hmm. got him to do it, and it was that was special. But did they get Hayden Christensen to wear the costume for continuity? Oh, jeez. No, <laughs> not this time. I bet you if they asked him, he probably would have. Well, sure, they are for Kenobi. So yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, what else do we need to mention? Oh, okay. Here's another kind of wart for me. We, we talked about the casting, right? And how much, how well the cast it was. I. Have issues with Forrest Whitaker in this movie. No, really? Yeah. No, yeah. come on. Okay, so I enjoy Saw Gerrera. I enjoy doing impressions of him. <laughs> I think it's fun. He was but a little watching bit the over movie. The top. It takes it takes you out of it, doesn't it? Right? What? No, it does no, not take me out of it. I think so. Because so, it's just become a caricature for me. Because he's like kind of it's well, kind of a silly voice. I, I, I think that's I, the well, problem. maybe. But I see it as Saw Gerrera is the rebels quote-unquote Darth Vader, 
willing to do mm. whatever it is to crush the empire under his foot and he's more machine than man and he's got the breathing yeah. problems and everything like that yeah and mm. I, I, I feel like that was the intention right yeah. he's he's what you know the stormtroopers are gonna get nightmares before going to sleep is thinking about Saw Gerrera but so here's what I was thinking when I when I was watching it last night I was looking at him missing limbs he's got this breather thing which wasn't clear to me if it was like oxygen or some kind of drug because he would take it and then his eyes would go crazy. But I think mm-hmm. all of that, like to me, was like Saw has seen some stuff and been yeah. through yeah. some stuff. Yeah. His, right. his mind is not really there anymore like it was mm-hmm. when you, we saw him earlier in the Clone Wars or in Rebels. Right. No, like, I, I, yeah, I totally get that. And, and he's, I mean, Forrest Whitaker is a, is a great actor too. Right. I just, I just feel like, uh, I don't know. It's this. It's just. It's probably just too much goofing around about. It, you know. It's. It's just. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. People taking way too much liberties with the material. The whole Borg. But I do. Thing. I do enjoy the the whole like progression of his his. I guess arc in in a way because we first met him in the Clone Wars. Yeah. Years and, back. Well, that was a, a big deal man. too. Yeah. 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 And then we get him as this like. You know, older dude that's been totally like messed up and he's, he's part machine now. And then the next time we see him, it's years before in Rebels when yeah. he's got the machine thing, but he's not quite as gone. And then we meet him before that again in Bad Batch in between the first. It's, it's interesting, the, the like the progression yeah. of how we know right. and filling out his backstory. He also, also makes an appearance in Jedi Fallen Order. I think if oh, we mention really? it the 10th time, Chris might have to buy a PlayStation yeah. just to play. No, I, think so. I, I know the whole story now that you've told me. It's that would fine. be before Bad Batch or same era, I guess, really. It would... It would be after Bad Batch. What does his hair look like? That's probably yeah, I, I don't remember. I got to replay it. Fourteen, fourteen uh, years before the Battle of Yavin would yes, be when. Yes, yet another. And he's all Saw is also. I mean, we're spending spending a lot of time on Saw here, but um, he's a major character. Yes, he, yeah. he is. He dies in the first. In the first grand act, scheme but, of things, I mean, because yeah. he spans several years of the right. Saga. You glance over the fact that I believe this was the first time a animated character was brought to the big screen or even brought to live action, right? Chopper, same movie. The, well, same movie. Uh, that doesn't count. Barely. He's a droid. <laughs> but that was a pretty big deal when they announced that. Everybody was like, yeah. wow, wow, this is really legitimizing the work of Dave Filoni and, and you know, the Clone Wars in hmm. general. Yeah, sure. I hadn't thought of that. I mean, if you're worried about, like, the celebrity of Forrest Whitaker overshadowing the part he got, I disagree, because then you've got people fawning over Daniel Craig for being inside of a Stormtrooper costume. <laughs> yes. that's, right. You know, that's, that's true. That's... I don't care about that at all. Also, one more thing about Saw. I think we mentioned this when we were talking about cantina scenes. When they're going through his base, that is definitely the cantina scene for this movie. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. They're even playing uh, Dejarek or whatever yeah, it's called. Yeah, they're like playing, yeah. playing games. I never like, know how to say that word. I think I say it differently every time I say yeah, it. Dejarek? 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 You said yeah. Dejarek before I'm an idiot, but that's well established. I think. <laughs> All right. Uh, there, oh, there was something else in that scene, though. Yeah, something that jumped out at me. Poor Gullet. He jumps out <laughs> at you. <laughs> we've, we've doesn't exactly jump. He kind of slithers. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about some of the the ships and the and the space battle at the end, which I think is quite possibly the best 
space yes, battle. Yes, I would agree. In with the that. Star Wars films, as far as like making sense, still being action packed. Um, you know, it's that it's that whole like the heroes doing their thing, the ground battles going on, the space battles going on. It's just classic Star Wars epic mm-hmm. fight. And the U wing is like one of my maybe top three ships. Really? I love the U wing. I love the design of it. I love that it makes sense. Like they don't. There wasn't a gunship. So they made a gunship, right? And it looks like it it fits in with the X wing and the Y wing and the B wing. And I always love when they have bits that move. I'm a big fan of that. The B wing is cool because it does that rotating thing from horizontal to vertical, yeah. and this has the wings that, for some reason, they like fan out. It just looks cool. Yeah. And my one of my favorite things in this movie is the star destroyers. Yes. And how they because look classic. They they look like yeah. models. They they somehow. That's good. Because I, I had to look it up. I was like, these these got to be miniatures, right? No. They just meticulously recreated computer-generated Star Destroyer models that look like miniatures so that wow. they could light them yeah. in ways that... And yeah. they're like kind of a brighter white than you see in right. later movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but they, they, they really do look like models. Uh, yeah, the do. way the lighting yeah. works and everything. Like, I mean, and the total, deaths are, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's just like They're total amazing. throwbacks to, to A New Hope. Yeah. I mean, they look yep. straight out of the original Star Wars. Also, the splicing in of the pilots from yep. the original movie mm-hmm. was was yeah. well done. Like, yeah. I mean, you gold could, leader, yeah, gold like, leader is the chillest pilot ever. He just <laughs> yeah. like matter of factly, like, gold leader. This is gold leader. We're going in to shoot at some guys now, everyone. <laughs> Red leader, this is gold leader. We're starting our attack run on the shield gang. Keep it tight and watch out for those towers. The best thing is that people who aren't like super big Star Wars fans who are just like, oh yeah, I'll go see this Rogue One movie, sure. They don't even notice that these these takes are from 1975. Right. Yeah. Mm. But like the hardcore fans, oh my god, it's Gold Leader. And it makes sense. Because like, yeah. Yeah, why absolutely. wouldn't he be there, right? So Yeah, and he recorded some new dialogue too. The, the actor. Oh, yeah. Amazing. That's right. Yeah. Although, although I will say, I feel like, I don't really know if this is true, but like, do you do people complain about Luke being Red Five? Because I feel like they made a big deal of showing Red Five in this movie blowing up. So, I think that was just so the sh- like, why. Why uh, was Red Five available? Right, well, because right. Right. Died. why was he Red Twelve or something? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. 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 Nice to see the uh, the Hammerhead Corvettes showing up in live action. Yeah. So those were in in the Old Republic, I think. Yeah. They and and then also in. The rebels, rebels, rebels right? yeah. They were mentioned in rebels, yeah. First yeah. rebels appearance, yeah. And the ghost showing up. So I was looking for it. I missed it. In the hangar, you hear them calling for General Sindula at one point. Right. Yeah. But and then I, right after I, that scene is Chopper. He pretty much is just like on screen for like two seconds, and then he wheels off. Yeah. Well, while we're speaking of little little cameos, I want to mention mm-hmm. some voice cameos. Um, you got you got Sam Witwer and David W. Collins doing the same thing they did in Force Awakens, recreating that little discussion about the T seventeen oh, yeah, being discontinued. T fifteen. T fifteen. Yeah, it's obsolete. Yeah. It's finally obsolete or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that. Hey, did you hear the rumor? Yeah, the T fifteen has been marked obsolete. Oh boy, it's about time for that. Yeah, I hope I hope they come back again to talk about T something else's. Yeah. Yeah. They're, 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 once they create a, a High Republic show, they'll, they'll be talking about well, TO1s or something. Because that was, that was <laughs> the stormtroopers that, in The New Hope, they were having that conversation in the original in the, in the Death Star, where right. they yeah. distracted them. You seen that new BT-16? 
And there's also a um, voice cameo by the savior, Tony Gilroy. <laughs> I'm, not, I don't wanna, I'm sure he's a very, very good man, and he did a great job on this movie. But, <laughs> yeah. um, apparently, I didn't realize it's Tony Gilroy's voice you hear talking over the radio to Bodie Rook when they're taking off, and he's asking, what's your, what's your call sign? Uh, oh, uh, really? That's okay. him? Okay. Interesting. That ship's off limits. No one's supposed to be on board until further instructions. Yes, yes, we are. Uh, affirmative. That's an impounded Imperial ship. What's your call sign, pilot? That's him, yeah. Um, he sounds younger than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, I also want to just quick mention, that is handled much better than Han Solo's last name. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. Because nah. yeah. Okay, all right. Well, Here we go. Back. Because they're going rogue. You don't want to so say they're rogue. You guys are going rogue. I'm going to call you Rogue One. <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> Anyways, uh, um, and I, you definitely, I definitely picked up. I can't remember where, but I know I heard Steve Blum's voice because it's unmistakable. Spike Spiegel. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? Hey, you! Identify yourself. Yeah, I was thinking there was there were a few voices where I was like, "Wait, that's got to be somebody." Pretty sure yeah. if you watch Don't. anything ever, you'll hear his voice. He's got a very distinctive voice, too. Yeah. Like you, can't, yeah. you can't miss Wait, it. Wait, don't, don't you mean that he's in Ribbles? Like, I, I don't know why I can't think of his it's name Zep. right yeah, now. He's Zep. 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 I'd rather wait for yeah. you to heal so we can finish our fight fair and square. He's Spike as well? Oh, yeah. 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 What? Yeah. There's no beef in here. So you wouldn't really call it bell peppers and beef, now would you? Yeah. Now I'm going to have to play a bunch of clips side by side of Steve <laughs> Blum sounding like Steve Blum. There's a couple other things I wanted to mention really quick. I know we're way over time. Oh, wait, wait, wait. One, one more voice cameo. I want to throw this out to okay. any listeners who want some homework. Mark Hamill recently tweeted that he has a voice cameo in every uh, Star Wars movie. That's right. That's That's been released by Disney. And... It's kind of a mystery in this one. I don't think anyone's ever actually found where it is. And it could even just be like a creature sound or something. Something lame like that. Because it's not credited. But if he said he's if he said he's in it, he's in it. Like, like I'm not going to... No, I trust, he's credited, trust his word. He's credited as William M. Patrick. Oh, so we should be able to know what character it is then. No, because it just says additional voices. In oh, the yeah. Or something yeah. Like that. yeah, yeah. But he's in there somewhere. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? Do any of our fans know? You can I don't send know if anybody does yet. I think... Send us a tweet or something. Yeah. Yeah, at warts and all. Mm-hmm. All right. Just really quick. Uh, yeah. Cassian actually mentions he's been in... He's been doing this since he was six. Mm-hmm. So that got me thinking, are there going to be like flashbacks in the show back to like when he was a kid? That would make sense, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't... I mean, I'm not... That would be fine if they didn't, but I think there's probably a good right, story right. there to tell. But I was just yeah. wondering if, like, that's kind of, you know, kind of set, setting that up a little bit. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna so be excited the, uh, about that show. No, oh, it's going to be good. He's, he's great. He yeah. was so great. I'm looking so wait, forward to that. that. That puts him all, well, not quite the same age as Omega. He's a little <laughs> bit younger. Who? Oh, my. I would think, right? Don't start, don't start, Chris. This is way too much speculation. <laughs> this, this is, is speculation what, fodder. This is good. That, that's going to actually be the Disney 
plus junior series star wars babies uh <laughs> and it's going to be a bunch of different shows based on the younger versions of characters <laughs> okay scarif i feel like that whole sequence straight out of a world war ii movie oh yeah definitely it was like, yeah, or Vietnam, like even, even like well yeah like shot for shot i feel like in some in some places like uh, yeah maybe the roles were juxtaposed if i'm using that word correctly like who the who the good guys and who the baddies well, are. Well, because like you see stormtroopers coming out of the bunker and just getting mowed down by uh, the repeater. Yeah, by Baze. Yeah, and his his big gun. And, and it kind of like sent me back to like watching Save a Private Ryan when the Allied forces are getting out of their their yeah. amphibious vehicles and just getting mowed down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the so, it's, so it's a little bit of a reversal, but but still, like the whole sequence just reminded me of something straight out of World War II. Well, yeah. George Lucas was working with Francis Ford Coppola to make Apocalypse Now before he decided to just walk away with it because they couldn't get the funding for it, and that's right, when yeah. he decided to do A New Hope. So it's possible that you know somebody saw that and they're like, you know what, let's. Let's bring elements from that in there. Because, yeah, no, it yeah. definitely felt like guerrilla-style I mean, fighting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if if the genre was supposed to be war movie, like, they did, exactly. a, they did a good job yeah. of that, I think. Yeah. yeah. The third act of that movie is, is some of the best the best Star yeah. Wars yeah. action. Because it's, like- it's action-y, it's, it's emotional, but there's fun parts to it, and it's just, it's well done. And I do like that the walkers were not AT-ATs, but they were cargo transport, because why would they have... You know, troop transports on a planet that's completely occupied by the Empire. Right. And they're weak enough to be taken out by blaster fire. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you explain that one away. Yeah. All and right. I just want to mention, too, it's something that I, I always think about this with Star Wars stuff, but it really was like front and center, especially with like Chirrut and that whole, I'm one with the Force and the Force is with me. A lot of times you see complaints about the idea of plot armor. Especially in Star Wars, and that's why oh, stormtroopers can't hit anybody because they can't kill the heroes. But it's since it's Star Wars, it's not plot armor; it's the Force. The Force. The force. Yeah. That's yeah. what lets these people survive ridiculous odds because the Force wills it. Right. That's it. Like that's what makes it Star Wars. And you know, Ben has said, and I and I think he's right. How he likes how like the Bad Batch kind of moves away from the Force. But we we gave him a hard time because if you take the Force out of Star Wars, it's not Star Wars anymore. Right. And I love the way that it's kind of like, it's still there. Like, Jin's mom is a believer in the Force and the Jedi, and she has the Kyber crystal, and the Guardians of the Wills are there. But Krennic mentions, when Jed is destroyed, that it is the last reminder of the Jedi. So it's almost gone from the people's minds. Well, well, yeah, and then, like, those, uh, I think Jin even says when they're on the ship, like, may the Force be with us. Yeah, right, right. She's still holding it alive. But then they they all perish. They all die. So who's left to kind of carry that on right. at that point? Little do they know. Besides. Hidden on a little desert planet. Yeah. Is the true last hope. Jawas. One last thing from me. We got to talk about the final Vader scene. Oh, yeah. I was going to make sure yeah. we mentioned And how awesome it was. <laughs> at the risk of being edited, the, my first reaction after leaving the movie theater was, I just watched Star Wars porn. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah, I, it was like I yeah. love the choreography because all of his movements were Darth Vader. It was slow, methodical, yes. 
like terrifying. It wasn't terrifying. Also, I noticed this time around, he actually deflects a blaster bolt with the force, like with his hand. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. At he's, one point, he's good at that. which I never, <laughs> I never noticed that before. But I was like, I, I don't think we've really seen that outside of like Force Awakens when Kylo at this point. When Kylo Ren stops well, he blocked, the blast, he bolt. blocked stop. He blocked shots in Empire Strikes Back. Right, but it right. doesn't like the send the them back. He doesn't like send yeah, them back. Yeah. Oh, true. All right, yeah, a good point. <clears throat> I just love the fact that these rebels are frantically trying to open this door. They can't get it open. They're like, try, try, try. And then as soon as Vader gets to the door, he just opens it right away. Right. <laughs> yeah. like, was this your problem? Okay, let me kill the rest of you now. But like that was that was the scene that because thinking about it, if you think about the the original movies. Darth Vader is supposed to be this terrifying, imposing force. And for most of the movie, he's just like walking forward, swinging his lightsaber slowly at Luke. Then you throw him in this scene where he just massacres an entire hallway of people in the dark. And it's just terrifying. That's why I feel like all of the rebels are terrified of Vader's because that's the kind of stuff he can do. And they've been doing that with the comics. Like when he pulls the the pin on everybody's grenades right, and stuff yeah. like that and just detonates everybody that's vader yeah he is an unstoppable force right and everything and that, every move he made was deliberate i remember hearing that that scene wasn't originally in the script too like they added it later on i, I also remember I hearing yeah. and we're gonna have to wrap this up but i remember hearing that early on in development they weren't sure if they could get away with everybody dying and i'm thinking like well, how else does the movie work? Because that's the whole point. The yeah, whole point right. is the they sacrifice, right? Yeah. The whole, it all leads mm-hmm. up to them. They know yeah, when they right. land on Scarif that the chances of them coming back, yeah. it's a one-way trip. Right. And that whole speech that Cassian mm-hmm. makes in the hangar where, where he's like got the group behind him and they're all like, we're with you because like if we gave up now, we wouldn't be able to live with ourselves yeah, after everything yeah. we've done. Like At that moment, it's like, okay, this is the end of their ride, I guess. Yeah, yeah. same with with Jin saying, "What chance do we have? What choice do we have?" Right. is the, is the yeah. real question. So yeah, we, we just got to do it. Yeah, no matter the consequences. Right. Like how could you, how could you not try? That's all you have. Yeah, <laughs> the only hope. But little do they know, on a little desert planet, <laughs> Jawas. We didn't we didn't talk about the uh, computer generated uh, Tarkin and. <clears throat> That's been done. We don't have death. to. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Tarkin's in the movie. Leia's in the movie. Get over it. Yeah. Doesn't matter how. Uh, no, I, in the movie. I was thinking Tarkin <laughs> was really good. Yeah. With all with all these types of things, like somebody's got to try it first. I feel like Chris has said that before. Like somebody has to try. You can't just well, yeah, always yeah. say like, oh, it's not going to work. It's like, yeah. like you got to just give it. It'll a shot. get better. Right. It was done. Uh, yeah. He had to be in the movie. They had to explain who he is. And why when he I, was there. It, it, uh, yeah, exactly. And on the other side of the fence, if he was only done in, you know, if you only saw the back of him or maybe kind of in a no, blurry reflection, cheap. people would complain yeah, about that, that too. Right. So yeah. there's there's no way Disney can win on no. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it is what it is. Yeah, they did the best they could with the technology available at the time. And you know what? It's mm-hmm. fine. It doesn't it, take me out of it. And it, I, has, no, no, I, no, and it has been improving. If you go back and you look at a movie like Tron Legacy with the de-aged Jeff Bridges, and then you look <laughs> oh, yeah. at, at Tarkin, it's like night and day. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Tron Legacy, but it's 
Tarkin actually looks like a person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just uh, I find you just can't look at his mouth. If you look him in the eyes, it's, 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 it depends it's on it depends on like his profile versus like straight on to it. Boring conversation anyway. All right, so let's wrap this up for today. Uh, I think it's safe to say we all love Rogue One. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Mm. I mean, we all love every Star Wars movie. So is anyone surprised at this point? Of course. True. Right. What do you? What? What do all you think of Rogue One? Um, is it the best? Because I've heard that said multiple times. The best what? Star Wars. But also, film? I've heard it's the worst because you know people yeah. have wildly different opinions. I know. Yeah. But they're all valid as long as they have uh, evidence to back them up. Yes. But we'd like to hear about it. So let us know at W-O-R-R-T-S, warts and all, at gmail.com. Also, warts and all on Instagram and Twitter. All right. What are we doing next week? So next week, we're going to discuss a new era of Star Wars that has recently come out, which is the High Republic. I was going to start reading because it's only in print at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Podcasts are built on hope. <laughs> oh my goodness. Especially this one. Hope that we get more yeah. listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Especially <laughs> this one. Thank you, no, I, Finland. I, before we start recording, <laughs> yeah. I always say, I hope we don't suck tonight. <laughs> exactly, see? It's Boom. built on hope. Just like the movie.